as you can see indicated the figures that were recorded during the period April to June 2020. The number of protection orders that were served um, looking specifically at the categories total number of protection orders received per province, the first column, the number of final protection orders served and the number of interim protection orders served, as well as the number of protection orders not served, both interim and final. And my apologies to members of the committee. We made a, a slight adjustment to the figures for the Western Cape. The figures as indicated on the presentation that were, was distributed to two members were just updated following an input that was received from the provincial commissioner. And in terms of the number of protection orders not served, the difficulty that SAPS has in that regard is respondents who have moved who are not at the address that was initially communicated, as well as incomplete addresses being provided in terms of the, uh, the protection order applications. In terms of the utilization of domestic violence registers, they are in use at all police stations. And in terms of the reports in respect of those registers are submitted to the Divisional Commission of Visible Policing for analysis, monitoring and evaluation. And there are substantial benefits in terms of the monitoring that is done on them. The number of incidents in cases reported per month gives an indication of the prevalence of domestic violence within a station precinct, allowing SAPs to be proactive. The domestic violence register also provides insight into the nature of assistance provided and could be utilized in the information, the information contained in the registers to inform the investigation of GBV related cases. The GBVF related performance indicators that have been included in the SAPS's annual performance plan, firstly reduced availability of liquor. The target there was 90% closure of identified illegal liquor outlets and we achieved 100% with 1,552 being identified and closed. Reduced levels of crime and GBVF are strengthened community partnerships there. Police stations rendering a victim-friendly service to victims of crime, the target being 100%, and all 1,155 police stations were compliant with two of the three set criteria in terms of the victim-friendly service that is provided. The next set of indicators is reduced violence against women and children, reduction in the number of contact crimes, both against women and children. The target was a 6.9% reduction. We had a 7.8% increase um, from 24723 during the first quarter of 1920 to 26658, and a similar tendency in terms of contact crimes against children, which increased by 9.7%. And this may also indicate um, increased confidence in the SAPs in terms of the community's willingness uh, to, to report these crimes to the organization. Reduced levels of violence against women, detection rate for crimes against women. The target there was 75.15. The result at the end of the first quarter, 72.67. And this will improve during the course of the year. Percentage reduction in outstanding case dockets related to crimes against women. The target was a 5% reduction and a 25.97% reduction was achieved. Detection rate for crimes against children, the target was 70.1%, 66.53% was the result at the end of the first quarter. And a similar tendency in terms of the reduction in outstanding case dockets, we had a 24.52% reduction in outstanding 
case dockets related to crimes against children. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, thank you. That is the end of the presentation. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much uh, to General Satole, Deputy Minister, and those who have done the presentations. Allow me to once again please um, raise the following with the members. We have to do the presentations because these meetings are recorded. Some of our meetings and most of our meetings are live. And for the sake of the public, we have to allow presentations. There are members who have also raised this, um, and, and I think it's rather unfortunate that we're raising through the media that the presentations are too long and we shouldn't be doing presentations. We have certain recommendations and procedures which have been set out by the House Chair or the Chair of Chairs. So these presentations are requested and we thank SAPS, uh, General Sitole, Deputy Minister, for the thorough presentations we have received thus far. I'll take hands now. I have noted the Honourable Whitfield. That's the only hand I have. Faku. Faku. Uh, Mesh. Grunewald. Terblanche. Could I take the set of hands now? Whitfield, um, and then Faku, Meshu, and then uh, Grunewald and Terblanche. You may start, Whitfield. Honourable Whitfield. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, um, I would like to thank the uh, SAPs for a very comprehensive presentation. And I'm going to focus uh, on a topic that is, um, I'm passionate about, which is DNA. And as the committee will be aware, last year it was um, exposed that there were insufficient um, sexual assault evidence collection kits across the country. And uh, I would argue that in the, you know, obviously with GBV chairperson, prevention is better than cure. But nonetheless, if we can't prevent incidents of GBV sufficiently, we need to be able to ensure that we can prosecute people properly. And um, I just wanted to hear from SAPS whether they are comfortable that there are sufficient uh, sexual assault evidence collection kits of all types available in all provinces. Uh, I'd also like to raise a concern, Chair, that I've been raising since last year, which is the Forensic Procedures Bill, and perhaps Mr. Rapier from the Civilian Secretariat could speak to that either during his presentation or in response to this question. The bottom line, Chairperson, is that we have over 46,000 Schedule 8 convicted offenders in our prison system whose DNA samples have not been added to the National DNA Register. This is a major, major problem. And it does not appear that the minister is serious about bringing this to Parliament. And I think this committee would do very well to apply the pressure required to bring this important piece of legislation. Honourable Whitfield, Honourable Whitfield, may I please interrupt you? My apologies. Could we please have the presentation removed so that we could see the honourable members when they ask their questions? Could we remove the presentation? Thank you, um, Honourable Whitfield. Sorry to disappoint you. Apologies for interrupting you. Honourable no Whitfield, you may continue. Thank you. And sorry to disappoint you. You won't be seeing me this morning due to uh, connectivity issues. It's easier for me to keep my camera off. 
Um, but with respect to that bill, that bill will go a long way in assisting us to ensure that those convicted of previous crimes can be connected to future crimes and ensure that they spend a longer time in prison. We need an update on that bill, please, Chairperson. The other um, concern, Chair, is that you will be aware that the South African Police Service has not presented their quarter four performance report to Parliament for the 2019-2020 financial year. However, you will recall as well that in March we received the quarter three report, and in that presentation we discussed the fact that the National Science Forensic uh, National Forensic Science Laboratory's performance was catastrophic, from quarter one at 93% down to 74%. In quarter two, it literally fell off the cliff in quarter three, down to below 20% of DNA case exhibits uh, analyzed within the required 90 days. I believe that that backlog is now escalated to close to 100,000 DNA case exhibits, many of which will be GBV related, Chairperson. We need to get that quarter four report. We need the uh, response from SAPS as to what is the crisis with the forensic laboratories. I'm aware that they are coming to the committee chair, but we can't wait another week or two to get the answers we need to ensure that we tackle this issue head on. I would then like to also ask by when SAPS believes they will have the DNA analysis uh, capability up and running in the Eastern Cape laboratory. Um, I think it's critical that the load is spread across the country so that we're able to mitigate against any backlogs, uh, because as I've said before, DNA delayed is justice denied, Chairperson, for many, many victims of these horrific crimes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Faku, and then Honorable Meshu. Honorable Mapatsu have noted Honorable Faku, you may continue. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, greetings to yourself and to Deputy Minister and members. Chairperson, I think um, as a gender activist myself, I must say I, that... I, again, you sorry. Uh, apologies, Faku. Would it be possible for you to turn on your video? Or do you have connectivity turn, problems? It's turned on, Chair. All right. Thank you. You may continue. There thank we you, have you. <laughs> okay, thank you, Chair. First, let us welcome the presentation from SABS. I think, Chair, myself as a gender activist, I must say that um, one is impressed with what is on the presentation. We hope that um, what the presentation is giving us today, that uh, most of the things that have been said will be implemented. At least there is improvement, Chairperson. You know, I'm from the Eastern Cape. I must thank the Provincial Commissioner of the Eastern Cape. Whenever I have issues, even uh, station commanders of gender-based violence issues, they are easily accessible, um, especially uh, when my constituency office is in, in Oxford Street, where I will call the station commander of Konumi Police Station and the one in Oxford Street. They are very accessible and they are very helpful. So even when we go to court, police, they are accommodating us. So we appreciate that. And as we are visiting police stations around the country, you can see at least the friendly victim centers in the police station. They are there. Rape kids are there. 
But one must also appreciate the training of subs on gender-based violence-related issues. I think that is one thing that we need to appreciate. And I think as a committee, we've been emphasizing on that, that police must be trained on gender-based violence issues. Also to empower subs on human rights issues, I think that is one of the cornerstones that, that I really appreciate because sometimes um, even the studies show that when people go to police station that women are police women are the most are the ones that victims feel more comfortable in talking with. So I would really appreciate perhaps the deputy minister that women are allocated in those areas, but also we want men to be there to understand when a young lady or a child comes in and say they are raped. I also appreciate part of the presentation, the coordination of gender-based violence structures. If we do this, Chairperson, you would never have gender-based violence issues as we have currently. So if those structures are coordinated at a provincial, at a local level, like where you have your CPFs, um, if we can have this, I think it will help us as well. I see that uh, they are saying that they are going to host gender-based violence sexual campaigns my questions will be when will this be done and where i hope you will also use community radios with different uh, languages that are in south africa let us also appreciate the development of the victim identification database i think this will help us a lot and i hope that this information will be escalated down to to to, to even what counselors so what counselors can post this information but also, Chairperson, let us appreciate the 200 allocation of social workers in police station. Um, my question would, I wanted to ask in terms of time frames, what are we talking about? When will these social workers be allocated? Um, uh, we want more than 200, of course, I think, um, DM. You need to have more negotiation. We have a lot of intents when it comes to social workers who are currently unemployed. I think we must utilize that opportunity. Uh, let us also appreciate the re reduction on crime against women and children. It's minus 6%. It's a great achievement. Of course, there's more that needs to be done. But what I have uh, discovered that these crimes are mainly done, uh, done by people whom we trust. It's our brothers, it's our pastors, it's our it's people that we trust, our own fathers, our husbands. So I think it's important that as you are doing this campaign, churches are involved, all stakeholders are involved, so that we make sure that all of us fight gender-based violence. It's not an, only an issue of South African police services, but it's an issue of all of us. Um, but also I wanted to raise the issue, Chairperson, of the protection orders. You know people don't take protection orders very seriously. I see that like in the Eastern Cape, 514 were issued, but 124 were received. So I think the provincial commissioner must have a strategy around that, that there must be people that are allocated to deal with the issue of protection orders. But generally, there's an improvement, especially during the lockdown, for us people that have been in and out of courts listening to gender-based violence. The police have done investigation within a short period of time. Um, within 14 days, a person will be arrested or, or one day. I appreciate that I've been there. We must say, Chairperson, when good things are done. 
So let us appreciate the investigation have been done, and most offenders have not received any bail from justice. And I think it's one thing that as a committee we, we, we must say that we are proud because at times we are told that SAPS is not doing the investigation. But in the past months, especially during the COVID-19, there's been a lot of arrest. Uh, but more needs to be done. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Thaku. Honorable Mesher and then Frunava. Thank you, Chairperson. Let me also start by appreciating the presentation we received this morning. My first question has to do with the provincial GBV committees. I want to know how they will be elected, um, what will be their functions, to whom will they be reporting, and to be able to function efficiently, will they be getting any stipend or not? And secondly, um, they spoke about developing proactive, preventative GBV program. Now, as we are told that most of the domestic violence issues happen within the home, how are they going to ensure that these programs becomes effective because they cannot see what's happening behind closed doors in the privacy of people? And then um, they also spoke about uh, profiling perpetrators. This is going to be a challenge, and I'm keen to know how uh, do you profile perpetrators? Um, are they not going to work on suspicions and wrong people are arrested, or how are they really going to profile uh, perpetrators of GBV? And um, regarding the backlog, they said the GBV backlog currently stands at 28,465. This number is very high. What are the contributory reasons why this number is this high? Is it because of shortage of manpower? Is it because of uh, uh, delegate cases they are dealing with and uh, the people that have not yet been assisted? Obviously, they are complaining, they are losing hope because they see their the perpetrators in the streets with them. And um, lastly, when a, an, an eight-year-old child has been raped and molested by a person who's known in the community and a request is made to the courts not to grant that person bail and the perpetrator is given bail and goes and intimidate a young eight-year-old child in such a case, what can be done to protect children? Because it is very traumatic, particularly if a child has to go to school and they see their violator almost every day. And when the violator sees this child, they point the finger at them. Uh, is there nothing more that the police can do in their... I know that they are not the ones who give uh, uh, bails. There are times when the police would say bail should be denied and the courts still give bail. But in the interest of protection of children, is there anything more that can be done or is there nothing that can be done? Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the question. 
my apologies. Uh, thank, thank you. you can you note me, Chair Majosi? Yes, yes. Honorable Majosi, you come after Mapatse. Um, could I have Grunewald now and then Ter Blanche? Thank Honorable you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chair. Can you hear me? Yes, very Chair. clear. And your, okay, you. your visual, visuals are good. Thank you very much. You may continue. Thank you, Chair. Chair, firstly, I want to say that it is custom that uh, when we deal with a specific subject that we get a well-prepared presentations and submissions from the police services. But the question I have, uh, Chairperson, is yes, it sounds, everything sounds very good, but the question remains, what is happening in practice? We have all these plans and all these uh, strategies, but my problem is that there are still too many cases with what we can see and we do see specifically on the social media where, for instance, women going to police stations are turned away, are actually uh, just uh, some of them even been raped uh, further and all that sort of things. So my question is, do we really uh, ensure that that what we want to happen in practice, does that materialize? And I don't see a chairperson. For instance, if you go and look, and uh, the secretariat, for instance, uh, did some findings on a census where they visited all the 1,143 police stations in South Africa in terms of the compliance to the Domestic Violence Act. And the startling finding is that only 21 police stations, only 21 of the 1,143 stations were fully compliant with the provisions of the Domestic Violence Act. And only 66% of those police stations had victim-friendly rooms that are functional and resourced. Now, my first question is, Chairperson, only 21 police stations and only 66% are compliant as far as victim-friendly rooms are concerned. And I would like to know what practical steps are going to be taken to ensure that this specific situation changes so that we can ensure that there is protection for the victims of domestic violence. My second question, Chairperson, is that I see as far as the immediate interventions to address uh, the gender-based violence during the lockdown and beyond, is that research has been taken or conducted research to understand gender-based violence and the, the trends thereof, and which has been associated with the COVID lockdown. Now, my question is, did the research start it? Who is doing the research to understand uh, gender-based violence? And when will we be able to receive a report on this research 
because it is very important that we get that research to see what we can learn from that and to see how we effectively can fight gender-based violence to reduce it. Lastly, I also want to add to the backlog of the forensics uh, chairperson, and I see on slide 20 that the target was initially to reduce the backlog to 5,000 by the end of 31 March of 2020. Now, that was just the, the, the lockdown started on the 26th of March. So I firstly want to know that we obtained the target uh, because I don't see it. And the new, currently, the backlog stands on 28,000. What is the new target date? Uh, and if we have a new do uh, date, what is the target as far as the reduction of those cases are concerned? Thank you, Chair. Thank, thank you very much, Honorable Groenewal. Honorable Te Blanche. Chairperson, thank you. Uh, I also want to start with, uh, you know, thanking the police for the presentation. It's indeed a very good presentation. But, you know, if you go and do oversight at police stations, unfortunately, I must be very, very clear to say that you find a different picture. I also wanted to refer to the 21 police stations. Only 21 police stations uh, comply. And then, you know, 66 had victim-friendly rules. Now, if you go to the police targets for 2021, there is a target set that 100% of police stations must apply. Uh, during this financial year. Chairperson, I have a problem with that in the sense, and I want an explanation because I'm also aware that all capital works, stuff like that came to sort of a stop. So how are they going to comply with this? This is my first question. Secondly, Chairperson, the in the question and answer session that we had the other day, the minister himself acknowledged that the registers at the police stations are not properly kept. And, you know, if that is the case, obviously the information that the, the management of the police are getting on the different levels are skewed. And then obviously they, then they cannot do proper planning. Chairperson, um, if you, you know, that was also mentioned by my colleague Whitfield, you know, about you know, the forensic laboratory. There are, Chairperson, you know, in total, I think something like a hundred thousand uh, investigations that cannot be done due to lack of maintenance, lack of re uh, renewal of contracts, consumables, stuff like that. Chairperson, this is not a good picture at all. And I'm really very concerned about that. And then lastly, Chairperson, if you go to the police stations again, the people are suffering the most are people in rural areas. You know, after hours, you are very lucky if you find one police official on duty there. And these people need to be, you know, assisted by medical experts and stuff like that. That is not readily available um, in rural areas, Chairperson. 
And I just need an explanation on that as well. How, are, who, how do the police intend to rectify that? Thank you, Chair. Honorable Blanche, are you done? Chairperson, I'm done, thank you. Okay, thank you. Honorable Mapatsa. Thank you, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Let me also join uh, other honorable members of welcoming uh, the presentation from the, the SAPS. Uh, I think this is the it's encouraging this uh, presentation uh, so far. It is different to other uh, uh, presentation, although more needs to be uh, to be done. But at least uh, there is something that shows that SUBS is doing something about the gender-based uh, violence. As we have explained, that at least now there is integrated. Uh, work with other uh, departments, which is what we've been talking about, that the more integrated uh, department deals with the gender-based violence. Uh, the president addressed is it as a, 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 what you call a pandemic on the 17th of uh, uh, June. As a result, what we have observed it's an increase of our people beginning to have confidence in our police. They don't talk about other departments. They are beginning to have confidence in the police. And there's an increase in the reporting of uh, uh, the pol uh, in, the, in the police stations. But as we said last time that the president also mentioned it in his speech uh, that most of these things they happened is domestic uh, where the police cannot be able to be there on time. They will only hear when the person comes to the police, police station or if somebody has passed or just to raise one honorable chair where my constituents uh, come from. Uh, one of them is Proteat Land uh, in extension 24. Uh, I will discuss it outside of this, but just that over the weekend, uh, a woman and the two children aged 10 and 14, the woman is 58, children 10 and 14 were found murdered, their throats cut. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately, the neighbors, you know, checking each other. It's only after two days they found out that uh, this thing happened. And when the JMPD person who stayed, who stays next to the uh, neighbor, uh, jumped the wall and broke into the window and found out this uh, bad thing that has happened. I hope uh, I will speak to the, 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 the police after this. I agree with uh, uh, Honorable Grunewald on the issue of uh, out of 1,143, 
Only 21 police stations were fully uh, compliant. Uh, I think it's not a good thing, although we appreciate this. I'm saying this is a good appreciation. It has got a program of action that this is what you're going to uh, to do. But let's see it in, in action. We are going to do our oversight, monitor what you have presented uh, to us. It is good. I appreciate. Uh, it's not that... Uh, 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 they just come and present nice things. They know the work, how serious is this thing of gender-based violence. That is why they have presented a very good document and we're going to hold them accountable to this thing. But it's not only them. It is only upon us as members of parliament when we do our constituency work to be able to work with our people and explain to them about the gender-based uh, violence. So that it should not be a, a, a police thing, we come and hold them accountable. Yes, we'll hold them accountable if they don't do their work. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy, uh, Chairperson me with the, the presentation, except those uh, concerns. And I'm very happy that they have brought now all the teams. So anyone who's got a question, uh, is able to answer according to his province and they, 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 they are going to be re, uh, responses. So that's a good way of how we should work with the, uh, the police department because answers are here immediately. But I think lastly, Chair, as I conclude, is the issue of uh, this in, integrated work that we should put very hard on the NPA because Every people say investigating of the police is very poor, very poor, very poor. Sometimes it's not the issue. It is the issue of how you discuss in court. You know how you discuss in court. If the police have good lawyers that, that can argue uh, for that, that's what is uh, important. Because investigators will do their work, but uh, you find a good lawyer who will just crack that thing. But working together with the NPA, tightening up uh, the case, I think it will assist this thing. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Mapatri. The last person uh, from the committee to speak would be Honorable Majosi. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, my apologies, I won't be able to 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 turn on the video because it has been taking me in and out of the of the committee. I think my network is very bad this side, but it's due to the load shedding that is um, happening at the present moment. Um, Chair and uh, honourable members, also um, the uh, DM and the SAPS. No, let us appreciate and welcome the presentation. Um, it's a good program of action, and um, I think we can work with that one. But I, I just wanted to check, Chairperson, in terms of, and I've been raising this thing for a long time, that I know that they were supposed they are supposed to train police officers to take care of 
uh, the domestic violence cases, the rape cases, and so forth. But if it is possible that maybe they can also get interns of social workers, people who are uh, properly trained on 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 counselling people and on being able to to make that one person speak, because it's one thing when a person comes to a police station, and it's another thing when you will have to explain what what brings you to the 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 police station. And also, Chairperson, we must take into considerance that um, the domestic violence, maybe it has decreased this time because of the lockdown. I had uh, uh, several honorable members speaking about it, that it might be because of the lockdown regulations, which um, uh, uh, require other people to be indoors and to work uh, at home, so you will never know what what transpires in those in those homes. So I wanted us to check if how then do we uh, we will be able to solve uh, those cases and and uh, maybe we should wait up until uh, level one and then maybe they open the country so that we see how many women will come to the police stations and and report these cases. Uh, but nonetheless, Chairperson. The program that uh, they have uh, uh, um, uh, presented today, uh, it brings hope. At least we'll see that there will be positive outcomes, but only it does not depend on them, as Honorable Mafazo has said, that it does not depend on them only. It depends also on us as this portfolio committee, that what is it that we do, Chairperson? I think we must then, with this program of action that they have presented, it's upon us that we do our own oversight, that we see all these things that are, are, are being presented today, that they are there in police stations, so that we know what is it that we are dealing with. And we are able, we were able when they come back to report, we are able also to give them a report back to say we have been in these police stations, we have been doing this, and um, this has been, uh, this, this is what we have found. But uh, uh, my last point, Chair, would be that I would want to ask if um, they will be able uh, to be invited in in dialogues that would be hosted maybe by 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 different constituencies. We've got constituencies, Chairperson, and as level two regulation allows that maybe you can have those as long as it is 50 people inside. So as much as uh, we can touch as many women who would like that to happen, Chairperson. So I want to know if maybe they will be able to be invited in those uh, uh, dialogues that would be hosted, and also they must provide them for different provinces who to be contact in terms of uh, inviting them to come and present on gender-based violence, on domestic, and how then do we report such cases. I would, I would really appreciate that. Thanks, Chair. Uh, thank you, Honourable Members. Honourable Peacock, I've noted you, but I will give you an opportunity to speak as the first speaker after the crime stats. I would like to give the police uh, deputy minister an opportunity to respond so that we could start with the crime stats. Um, deputy Minister General Sitole, please bear in mind that we are coming to the end of Women's Month. Um, as Honorable Field has also said, 
The quarter four performance um, report is still outstanding. We will arrange and schedule a meeting for that. So I'll allow the uh, Deputy Minister to introduce and then uh, the SAPs to respond to the questions. Thank you very much. Both with compliments and those that uh, say uh, we must go and do more, but uh, we have not that much uh, around the compliance the figures that were outlined. So take note of that. But please uh, allow me to ask if the team in responding to the technical questions that have uh, thank you. May, we may have a uh, step to respond. Thank you, Dean. Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, for the opportunity and thanks to the DM for the lead. Uh, let me start by expressing our appreciation uh, to the comments that has been made by honorable members. I think it's also giving subs the hope to move forward and the, surely if we are able to utilize some of the inputs that we're getting from the honorable members. We, we are then likely to finish the women's month on a high note as far as gender-based violence is concerned. Uh, Chair, I will respond to the matters that, re that requires strategic response and the, I will leave the rest to the operatives and then they will provide the, 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 the flesh to some of the questions. I wanted to start with the last one, Chair, on the dialogues and then indicate to the Chair that we, among others, we started a, a community outreach approach to with regard to gender-based violence and the I'm sure some honorable members might have viewed uh, the late the, the latest imbizo that was held a day before yesterday which was then also extended uh, to I'm sure is 94 community radio stations across the country we have therefore decided to declare a mobilization war against gender-based violence. We will be extremely happy to be invited uh, into those dialogues across the, the country. And uh, each and every provincial commissioner working together with visible policing, we will be able to work with honorable members because we think if we convey sufficient message to the gender-based violence victims and create sufficient uh, awareness, we will then be able to strengthen the prevention uh, leg. So we are open. Then there was a question by 
the first honorable member with regard to whether the re, the, the evidence uh, kits are sufficient uh, or not maybe for now I, I let me say that one we do not have a shortage and uh, we do not have a crisis and the the instruction that i have issued to supply chain at national level is that uh, our constant monitoring should be focused on where the stock levels are going down but it, due to modus operandi development i think evidence uh, kits uh, may never be enough because once the sporadic uh, modus operandi uh, advancement in a specific area then they will immediately shoot us on a shortage for that particular crisis but uh, for now stock levels are, are sufficient and there's a monitoring uh, process uh, in place uh, across the that is the country and uh, we i i also further ordered that uh, we place more orders uh, for the future so that uh, we make sure that uh, we've got sufficient uh, that is stocks then uh, the other question is with regard to a uh, quarter four i think uh, we we will be ready to present uh, that is the quarter four as per the demand of the portfolio committee and uh, we have taken note of the the concerns uh, about uh, forensic uh, one thing i can highlight is that the forensic division has been one of those divisions uh, of concern in the organization and is also one of those divisions that has stayed for quite some time now without a divisional commissioner but the, in order to ensure stability in this particular environment i have also then appointed the divisional commissioner permanently uh, a day before yesterday so it's just waiting for the ratification of the the minister so they, there's now going to be stability in this particular environment and moving forward i do not foresee any other problems that uh, we we should experience further i think he, he will also then attend to the other questions pertaining to the bedlock uh, and, and and other matters then the, the Eastern Cape, yeah, firstly, we made a commitment uh, which was via the Deputy Minister during the, the declaration and the pronouncement of the, the District Commissioner in the, in the Eastern Cape that uh, we will be providing the, 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 the DNA uh, processing uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Eastern Cape. But then, it, firstly, we that was subject to a procurement process, which was disturbed a bit by lockdown. But then, it, I I have then issued an an instruction. We have escalated this matter up to a point where the service the the, the service provider is is actually ready uh, to deliver. 
I think it's five of the mobile units, which will then be over and above Eastern Cape. There's going to be four other districts that, uh, that are critical, which will uh, uh, get these uh, this mobile, mobile units. But uh, we are just waiting now for Treasury to give us the final authorization. And immediately we get that final authorization, then uh, the, the supplier is ready to deliver. So within a short space of time from now, we will be able to provide uh, that is the service in the, in the, in the Eastern Cape. Then uh, there was also a suggestion with regard to utilization of community radios. Uh, I just wanted to indicate that uh, uh, during this recent uh, Inviso, online Inviso, we also engage with uh, GCIS. GCIS has actually advised us that uh, they are open to link us with community radios, which is something that we could do even almost every week. But we have also realized that uh, most of the gender-based uh, violence victims, they are the, which are in the rural areas, they don't have access to services, and they, they don't have access to us sufficient access and the sufficient information how to respond to gender-based violence, and we we decided uh, to to take further engagement uh, based on further arrangements with GCIS so that uh, we use this as a permanent platform. And then uh, immediately after our Inviso tomorrow, we are going to engage with uh, GCIS so that we expand on the community radios. Then the involvement of churches, we've obviously introduced the spiritual crime prevention concept and we have a lot of support from the church leaders uh, who are willing to get involved in this particular uh, concept and uh, we are going to use it as part and parcel of mo mobilization. Then uh, there was a question on the prevention of gender-based violence in the home environment uh, with regard to how we're going to do it. But I, I wanted to put a scenario to the to the committee and the, at the same time uh, asking for the support uh, of the committee. I think our root our root causes at the present moment our root causes uh, analysis our root cause analysis. I think it shows a combination which I think we must we must all provide a response to. Currently. Uh, the latest uh, studies uh, has uncovered that South Africa is ranked number five in vicar abuse and is ranked number four as the most violent countries in the world. Then you, you, during the lockdown and now, you had both of these two locked in, in the so-called family structure because most of the people were within their home. So those who have been using alcohol or abusing it, and they, it will combine with violence within the home. Then there's moral fiber deterioration, where the father sees the child as a girlfriend, is inside the house. The uncle sees the child as a girlfriend, is inside the house. 
And we've got a good example in the Eastern Cape. One of our junior commissioners has been impregnated by the uncle in the family structure. Now we are sitting with several collapsed family structures, which I think we need to respond to through education and awareness, family education and all that and changes. Then you go to the environmental design. Uncontrolled development is, is, is taking its toll. What you then have there additional is your unused buildings, which are used as brothels. They are used as human trafficking uh, factories. And they, they, I think they all encourage gender-based violence, but we need to provide a response to this. As a police, we decided this is an area we need to focus on, but it obviously doesn't require a policing solution uh, alone. It requires us all to respond uh, together. And the, that true awareness, we are, we, we, we intend to get to the houses so that uh, we, 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 we educate, we sensitize, we create awareness. But uh, through the modus operandi analysis, the gender-based modus operandi analysis, we also want to constantly uh, make the public uh, aware, irrespective of where they are, of the gender-based violence modus operandi. And, and that's, that's the response we want to provide. The protection of children, we've taken note of it. We, we think we, must, we, we are going to make it a cluster issue because it will require us, the NPA, as well as justice, the whole criminal justice value system, to, to find a way. And uh, one of the, the things that we might need to be looking at as the police, we will issue an instruction that when we oppose bail, we indicate that, uh, the, 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 the existence of children uh, a, in, in that particular type of a case uh, so that it become part and parcel of the factors that we, we raise to, to create more weight in order to, to oppose bail. Then research, I think we, we do have our own research within SAFT, but gender-based violence uh, is an integrated research subject. Uh, at, at, we have spoken about it at the level of the cluster, and uh, we intend to commission it at the level of the cluster so that it become integrated. Then the medical attention in the rural areas, I think firstly, as SAPs, we are working on the service, the rapid service delivery access strategy where we create a service delivery access to the victims of gender-based violence so that we can strengthen our response. But the medical side is the role of the Department of Health. And what we're going to do here, we're going to escalate it at cluster level and we, we then further escalate it to inter-cluster coordination so that we can engage with the Department of Health to assist with the, 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 the provision of access to those gender-based violence. The, the input with regard to utilization of social worker intents. I think it's a positive input. We will look at it through the our community in blue concept and uh, <clears throat> even including the reservist concept, but we will look at how the, the, the volunteer uh, 
would be treated as far as this particular aspect is concerned. With your permission, Chair, uh, if I, I could just open for the, I have, I have deputy uh, national commissioners and divisional commissioners, but I also have provinces who are connected if they've got specific questions. Uh, with your permission, uh, Chair, can I open for deputy national commissioners first? Uh, General Sitole, with all due respect, uh, I think your, your presentation has been very good and all the members have commended you for a good presentation. Um, could I please um, deal with the matter in the following way? I've noted that the civilian secretariat has, has also prepared a presentation uh, of DM and General Sitole. However, we have dealt with the matter very comprehensively through your presentation and your responses. I would rather request that the provincial commissioners and the deputy commissioners assist us with the responses to the crime statistics and that uh, honorable members, we um, allow the um, uh, General Setole and the team to now start with the crime statistics. Uh, Civilian Secretariat, please, um, I have not overlooked you and, and I certainly I have looked at your presentation. It's a good presentation, but most of it has been covered in the presentation of SAPS. So thank you very much for those presentations on gender-based violence. Um, I think it, we have managed to do this within the Women's Month, August Women's Month. But um, as we do continue with the program of 365 days of the year for Women's Month, let us ensure that this very good program is implemented. We have very good strategies, we have very good programs, but um, the implementation of these programs, uh, more often than not, is not uh, that sufficient. Honorable members, I'm now going to take the crime statistics of the first quarter of 2020 Chairperson, from the first um, honourable Whitfield. Chairperson, just just a, a concern, if you if you would note it, uh, earlier in the meeting you said that we have to present all the presentations because the meetings are public. Um, there are questions relating to the forensic procedures bill. There are responses to, to, to members which have not been provided by SAPS to the SAPS GBV presentation. So I, I'm afraid I don't support moving on in the manner which you've, which you've proposed if this meeting is to be meaningful. Thank you. I understand. I do understand that a number of these questions have not been responded to. Um, it has been um, the the practice of the SAPs and this meeting, that they do provide us with written responses where they have not given us the responses in the meeting. Could I then request that we do have the written responses from uh, uh, SAPs? Um, I'm going to uh, allow Honorable Mapatswe, you also have a, a comment or a point of order? Honorable Mapatsu, do you have a point of order? Did I raise my hand, Chair? 
Yes, honorable Mapatsi. No, hey, this BBT person. Hey. No, I'm <laughs> sorry, my apologies, chairperson. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Um, could we then commence with the um, the presentation on the crime statistics and that all those uh, responses be noted and uh, that we continue. Honourable members, Deputy Minister, if you can introduce the crime statistics, please. Uh, thanks, Chair. Uh, these are uh, a response to the decision of Cabinet that uh, crime stats will be released uh, quarterly. And uh, this is our first uh, response to that for the first quarter, April to June 2020-2021, for this financial year. I will therefore request that uh, the National Commissioner be allowed through you, Chair, to make the presentation through the necessary people that are assigned to do that. Uh, over to your national commissioners, through your national I accept the of the commission. You may continue, national commissioner. Uh, thank you very much, uh, honorable chair, and thank you very much, uh, deputy minister for the lead. Uh, chair, our presentation on crime state shall be led by Major General C. Kukuni, and with your permission, I can give him the floor. Thank you, National Commissioner, the Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee, members of the Portfolio Committee, the Deputy Minister of Protocol Observed. I will be taking you through the first quarter of the 2020-2021 financial year crime statistics, covering the period from the 1st of April up to the 30th of June. Next slide, Craig. As is the norm, we start with a table of uh, 17 community reported crimes, including the crime detected as a result of police action. This is the crux of the crime statistics, because these are the 17 community reported crimes that uh, the South African Police Service is tracking, and we have also expatiated where necessary on other categories, like for instance, sexual offenses, is further broken down into the four crimes that make up sexual offenses, which is rape, sexual assault, attempted sexual offenses, and contact sexual offenses. So that <coughs> those four crimes are reported as sexual offenses. And then also in the robbery with aggravating circumstances, we also go down to the subcategories of those crimes. And we look at carjacking, robbery at residential, robbery of non-residential premises, robbery of cash in transit, bank robbery, and truck hijacking. So this expand on the 17, making them something like 23. But ideally, the crime that we are reporting on is the 17 community reported crimes and the four crimes detected as a result of police action. Now, as is the norm, again, we give a trend over a number of years covering the same period starting with the crimes that are considered to be contact crimes or crimes against the person. For the current quarter, we had a reduction of murder by 1,932. Sexual offenses, a decrease of 4,798. Attempted murder, a decrease of 1,088. 
assault with intent to commit grievous bodily harm and decrease of 15,361, common assault, a decrease of 10,190, common robbery, a decrease of 6,416, robbery with aggravating circumstances, a decrease of 14,106, and overall, the broad category of contact crimes or crimes against persons have decreased by 53,891 counts. Then, underneath here, we see the crimes that are also reported under sexual offenses. Here, we just expatiate in terms of what make up the broad category of sexual offenses. Starting with the rape, we had a decrease of 3,932, Sexual assault, a decrease of 598. Attempted sexual offenses, a decrease of 183. Contact sexual offenses, a decrease of 85. And the total sexual offenses, as above there, has decreased by 4,798. Then the subcategories of robbery aggravity, which are also included in this, here we just expatiate on what are the other crimes that make up that category of robbery with aggravating circumstances? Carjacking, we've recorded the decrease of 1,873. Robbery at residential premises, a decrease of 1,208. Robbery at non-residential premises, a decrease of 1,759. Robbery of cash in transit, a decrease of 90. There were no bank robberies and the Track hijacking, a decrease of 85. Then the two crimes making up the broad category of contact-related crimes, which is asset and malicious damage to property, they both decreased, with asset decreasing by 310 and malicious damage to property decreasing by 7,666, and the broad category of contact-related crimes decreasing by 7,976. Next slide, please. Then uh, in this slide, uh, we have uh, also taken just the contact crimes or the crimes against the person. And then uh, we then asked the status to provide us with the 2017 mid-year population estimates. Uh, then we then computed the ratios or the per 100,000. The reason for doing that, there has been a mislog whereby after every publication of crime statistics, the commentators will simply take the number of days and divide it by the number of people that have been murdered. And then you hear comments like there have been 58 people that are murdered in South Africa per day. Well, that is uh, a quotient, but then it is not statistical. In a sense that uh, statistics is a subject of probabilities. And for every year, there's an increase in the population. So as the population increases, the, the probability of a person being a victim of a crime also increases. Hence, the correct statistical way to go about it is to take the number of crimes that have been committed and divide it by the population. So we have done that where status A provided us with the 2017 mid-year population estimates projected up to now, and then we computed the ratios. For murder, we had the ratio of 5.8 per 100,000. 
that means that out of a person, out of a hundred thousand people, there is a probability that 5.8 people can be killed. So that is how the ratios are interpreted vis-a-vis -vis what has been uh, done by saying 58 bodies per day, which is not statistical. Then in terms of the rape, there is a 9.8 per 100,000, again, is the probability that out of 100,000 people, there is a possibility that 9.8 might be victims of crime. Then attempted murder, we have 5.9 per 100,000. Assault GBH is 37.2 per 100,000. And the, the, the common assault is uh, 43.8 per 100,000. And common robbery is 10.9 per 100,000. Next slide. Then continuing with the rest of the 17 community reported crimes, starting with the property-related crimes. The only crime that has increased within the 17 community-reported crimes for the current quarter is in the property-related crimes, which is uh, burglary and non-residential premises, where we recorded an increase of 1,566. And this increase was mainly due to the burglaries that happened at liquor outlets and also burglaries at schools, especially during the level five and level four of the lockdown. Then burglary at the residential premises, there was a decrease of 16,305. Theft of motor vehicle, a decrease of 6,271. Theft out of or from motor vehicle, a decrease of 13,934. Stock theft, 468 decrease. And overall, the property-related crime decreased by 35,412. Then the last category of the 17 community reported crimes named other serious crimes, made up of all theft documents elsewhere, decreased by 36,249. Commercial crime decreased by 5,885. Shoplifting decreased by 6,115. And then the broad category of other serious crime decreased by 38,249. And the 17 community reported crime decreased by 135,528. Then the crimes that are regarded as crime detected as a result of police action, they Ideally, they should be on the increase. However, due to the lockdown situation, the police uh, the, they managed to recover less firearms in terms of uh, illegal possession of firearm and ammunition, where the decrease was 826. Drug-related crimes decreased by 21,197. Driving under the influence by decrease of 18,685. Sexual offenses, a decrease of 1,778. And total crime detected as a result of police action decreased by 42,486. Next slide. Then uh, in this slide, we look at the graphical representation of the 17 community reported crime, where we also mentioned that uh, the period covered was from the 1st of April up to the 30th of June. And if you look down here, we have identified exactly where we were in level five, 
because level five started on the 27th of March up to until the 30th of uh, April. Then level four started on the 1st of May until around up to the 30th of May. Then on the 1st of June, we moved to level three. What is uh, worth noting is that here, the blue graph indicates the current 17 community reported crimes for the 2020-2021 financial year. And the gray graph indicates the 17 community reported crimes for the financial year 2019-20 quarter one. Now, what is worth noting is that if you look and compare at the level fives, there was a decrease of 63,597 between the two points. Then as we moved down to level four, the decrease was starting to become minimal, where at level four, now the decrease between the previous quarter and the current financial year quarter was only 52,304. Then as we moved to level three, whereby there was an instance where alcohol was allowed and then closed again off, the decrease is also very minimal because it's now coming to 19,670. What in essence this graph shows us is that as we moved down the lockdown levels, the levels of crime between the previous quarter and the current quarter started with a very big margin. Then as we moved to level four, the decrease was becoming smaller and smaller. And as we progressed further to level three, the decrease was also becoming very uh, minute. We will just have to see what will happen at level two, because the way the trend is going, it seems as if either the two graphs are going to touch and cross each other, whereby we will then regard as what could have been termed as the normal levels that we were used to in the previous years. Then in terms of the provincial breakdown, all the provinces have recorded a decrease in the 17 community reported crimes. Next slide, Craig. Then on this table, because of uh, the issue related to domestic violence, we also looked at the domestic violence across all the nine provinces with specific focus on selected number of crimes. Then at the top there, we had a murder, where we looked at the murders that have been reported during the first quarter of the current uh, financial year. We had uh, 11, 112 murders as a result of domestic violence, whereby 65 of the victims were female and 47 were male. And then uh, in terms of the provinces, I think it was KwaZulu-Natal which had the highest number of uh, female of the murders that had happened that were domestic related. Then Eastern Cape was the second highest with 18. Then the Western Cape had uh, 16. Then in terms of the rapes that were domestic uh, violence related, that is in the instance whereby there's a relationship between the victim and the perpetrator. It can be a mother, a father, an uncle, but there is that domestic uh, relationship between the two people. We had 322 rapes that were domestic related. 
of these female were 312 and 10 were male. Then in terms of the province, counting had uh, 70 of domestic related rapes and the Western Cape had 63. Then attempted murders, we had 189, whereby 122 were female victims and 67 were male. Then assault GBH were 3,364, whereby 2,413 were female victims and 951 were male. Then common assault, we had 7,518, whereby 6,214 were female and 1,304 were male. Then common robbery, we had 68, whereby 53 were female and 15 were male. Robbery aggravating, 20, 15 female victims and 5 male victims. Malicious damage to property, 2,496, whereby the properties that were female owned was 1,607, and May 879. Burglary rest 73 and 48, then also theft, all theft not mentioned elsewhere. Then next slide. We also look at the initial, we started with the 17 community reported crimes, then we looked at the contact crimes which are made up of murder, attempted murder, sexual offenses. These are in essence, crimes against the person. Again, they follow the same trend as the 17 community reported crimes, whereby at level five, there was a high observable figure of 26,933. As we moved down to level four, the difference now became only 22,165. And at level three, the difference is 4,793. Again, the trend is that at level four, there is big difference. As we move down to level three, the difference becomes smaller. And as we move down to level three, it becomes even smaller to an extent that the two graphs almost touch each other. And across all the provinces, the contact crimes have decreased. Next slide. We looked at the some categories of causative factors of contact crimes. And again, we observe that argument and misunderstanding for the three crimes that we have selected, that is murder, attempted murder, and assault GBH, from a sample of 2,410 counts for murder, and we sampled the uh, attempted murder, 1,285, and assault GBH, we had uh, a sample of 4,301. If you look at the total number of murders, you can see that this is almost 80% of all the counts that had been reported in the court. So we did almost a sample of 80% to determine the causative factors for murder. So arguments, again, were the highest. If you add the three numbers here, it shows you that the rape, murder, uh, attempted murder, and assault GBH was uh, the contributory factor uh, arguments or misunderstanding. Then 622 was uh, as a result of uh, retaliation or revenge. Then we had the robberies either in the house, business or street, which resulted in 540. Then we had instances whereby a victim was attacked by, but it's not regarded as mob justice because in this instance, 
it won't be whereby one or two people accuse a person of having stolen or taken their property and then they beat them up. So it's not uh, regarded as mob justice. So we had four murders as a result of such instance. We had one attempted murder and 267 assault JPH. Then in mob justice, this is an instance whereby the community will then uh, kill a person in, in large numbers where we had 138 people that were killed as a result of mob justice. And then we had uh, 19 attempted murders and then 90 assault GBH as a result of uh, mob justice. Then gang-related murders, we had uh, 63, and then attempted murders, 59, then assault GBH, 9. Then we had also instances whereby law enforcement officials were killed in the line of duty. If my memory serves me well, three people were police officers, and one was a security guard who were killed while they were in the line of duty. Then we had also two uh, people who were killed as a result of intervening while some of the people that they are known to them were fighting. So they ended up being the victim themselves, whereas they were trying to intervene in the fight. Then during the commission of another crime, we had a 10. We, 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 ex we, we excluded the especially rape, uh, house robberies, business and street robberies. This can be, again, in an instance whereby maybe a, a house, somebody burns a house down, there was a case whereby a house was burned down and four people were killed, including a two-year-old, two-month child because of uh, domestic-related issues. And then uh, we had four or five bodies or five people that were killed during that particular asset. Then we had uh, 25 taxi-related murders. Then we had uh, four as a result of hijacking, whereby the victim was either trying to resist the uh, being hijacked or the hijackers simply took it upon themselves to eliminate witnesses and they killed the victim. Then we had two murders as a result of road rage. Then we had three rape-related murders. That is an Iran instance whereby a person is raped and then again uh, they are killed. Then we had nine murders as a result of uh, illicit violence. Next slide. Next slide. Then we looked at the place of occurrence again for murder, attempted murder and assault GBH from the same sample sizes that we used in the previous to determine the causative factors. We saw that 633 murders happened at the residence of either the perpetrator or the victim. 1,184 happened in the public place, either a street or open field. 35 of the murders happened at business premises. 75 at the board of transport, either a bus, car, or taxi, agricultural land, which also includes uh, attacks on farms and small holdings. This is this also includes whereby the women go out and plow the field. The land use is for agricultural purposes and might not necessarily be a farm. Then we had 26 murders as a result of that happened at tax shops, one in the present cell, 
Then we had the light bathers happening either at the liquor outlet, either at the Shebi, a pub, a light club, or a bottle store. Uh, five attempted murders at such places at 31 Assault GBH. Then we had two murders happening at the government premises. This might include police cells and uh, correctional service facilities and other government department buildings. Then we had 12 murders either at the track or station. We had 10 murders at mining premises. Died at the petrol station, mostly would be hit whereby a person would be followed and then when they get to the petrol station to fill in their car, they get shot and killed. Then six were at the lake, river, or them. Nine happened at the dumping site. Then we had four happening at the educational institutions, either school, university, college, or daycare. And then three happening of the medals happening at leisure premises, hotel, gas, and BNBs. Next slide. Then we looked at the specific cases whereby either the victim or the perpetrator confirmed that at the time when the crime was committed, either the victim or the perpetrator has consumed alcohol or both had consumed alcohol. There were 284 such cases from a sample of 4,301. Uh, we determined that the 284 assault GBH, either the victim or the perpetrator mentioned that they were drinking or they had used alcohol. Then 113 rapes where such uh, assertion was made, and 56 murders where such an assertion was made and also 11 attempted murders. Then at the bottom there, we had uh, the place where it was confirmed that these uh, crimes happened either at the Shebid or Tavern or a pub. Nine murders happened at such facilities. 31 assault GBH happened at such facilities. Five attempted murders at such facilities and two rapes at such facilities. Next. Then the crime of murder, again, keeping in mind that the, these are the level five, level four, and level three. What we observe again here is that there was a reduction in murder of 939 at level five. Then at level four, the reduction was 759. And at level three, it was 234. Again, as you move down, the lockdown levels, the differences between the two curves come closer and closer together. And the matter has decreased across all the nine provinces. Then next slide. We looked at the causative matter per province, whereas on the other side, we just simply looked at the causative factors in this instance, we tried to break it down into the provinces and identify which provinces had uh, problems with regard to the specific causative factor that we have observed. KZN, in terms of misunderstanding, was the highest with 40. Western Cape had 35 letters because of arguments, and uh, Eastern Cape had 34. 
Then Mob Justice KwaZulu Natal was the highest with 42, Gauteng followed with 32. Then House Robberies, it was Gauteng uh, with 38 murders resulting from House of Robberies or Business or Street. And then Western Cape was the highest in terms of gang related murders. And then taxi related murders, again, it was Western Cape with 10. KwaZulu Natal had seven taxi related, and Houteng also had seven. Illegal mining is more prevalent in the free state with five murders as a result of uh, illegal mining in the free state. And then uh, we also had a road rage whereby two instances happened in the Northern Cape. Next slide. Then the matter of police officials, I have already spoken to the fact that uh, there were four people that were killed as a result of uh, being on duty and then we identified that one was a security member. So the, 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 the blue graph was for the people that were killed while they were on duty and the gray graph were the people that were killed while they were off duty. So in total, of 2018-19, we had 17 uh, police officers that were killed. Then in the, the second, in 2019-20, we had 18. And then in the current financial year, we had eight. Then uh, in terms of the provinces, KwaZulu-Natal had two. And then uh, the, the other provinces recorded one each. Then next slide. Then uh, we had uh, attacks on uh, farms and small holdings. In the current quarter, we had died bedders that were recorded in quarter one, April to June. In 2018, we had 11. 2019, we had uh, 13. And then in 2020, quarter one, we had died. That is a reduction of four counts. However, there were also other crimes that were committed at farms. We had uh, 45 robberies at the residential premises, whereby I think two people were also killed during some of these uh, robberies at the residential premises. Then we had 12 attempted murders, we had three rapes, we had 14 assault GBH, we had three attempted uh, robberies at residential premises, and the nine theft of uh, motor vehicle. Then in terms of the provinces that has a recorded increase, it was counting uh, with uh, one case more than the previous year, and also the Lothar Cape and uh, one case more than the previous court. The next slide. In the next slide, we looked at the rape. It follows the same trend with the, all the other crimes that we have seen, whereby the, the differences between the two graphs come closer and closer together as we move down the lockdown levels. And all the provinces have recorded decrease with, the, with regard to the crime of rape. Next slide. In the next slide, we look at the rate at the places where it occurred, and then we break down by province. 
we had 870 rapes that happened at the residence of the perpetrator victim or including residence ruled by victim. 122 Eastern Cape were such premises, counting 229 rapes happened at such premises, KZL 146 rapes happening at such premises. Then we had public places whereby Houghton had 88 rapes happening at such premises. Western Cape had 50. Uh, KwaZulu Natal had uh, 47. Then uh, at the leisure premises, we had one in the Eastern Cape and one in the Western Cape. At the educational institution, the rapes, well, we had one in the Free State, two in KwaZulu Natal, and one in the Western Cape. Then uh, nightclubs, liquor outlets, we had uh, one in the Free State, and we also had uh, one in the Western Cape. And then we had one better each at the petrol station in KwaZulu Natal and the Northern Cape. Then uh, the next slide, we looked at the trio crimes, which is made up of uh, Robbery, rest, robbery, non-residential, and carjacking. Again, the trend is the same with all the other crimes, whereby the budgets are becoming smaller and smaller between the two quarters. And again, for the trio crimes, all the provinces have recorded decreases. Next slide. Unpacking the trio crimes, we had a uh, because they are made up of carjacking, robbery rest, and robbery done residential. We had a reduction of carjacking by 1,873. Robbery rest decreased by 1,208. Robbery done rest decreased by 1,759. Then the next slide we look at the broad, next slide we look we look at the property-related crimes. We have already indicated that uh, burglary at non-residential premises was the only crime that had increased within the category of property-related crimes. I will not go through this as I've already touched them on them in the table at the top. Next slide. Then uh, burglary at non-residential premises. It was the only crime that has increased within the broad category of uh, property-related crimes. And most of these crimes happened at level five, whereby uh, the highest contributory uh, premises were liquor outlets and schools. Here we can see that we had uh, an increase of 1,544 uh, burglaries and that residential premises which then went down at level 4 to 61, and then it started increasing again to 83 at the level uh, 3. Then the provinces that had recorded increases was the Eastern Cape with 175, Houghton uh, had 490 increase, KwaZulu Natal had 743, Bubalanga had an increase of 124, Northwest an increase of 39, Northern Cape an increase of 63, Western Cape an increase of 240, and the whole of South Africa had an increase of 1,566. Next slide. Further unpacking the 
burglaries at uh, non-residential premises where we indicated that uh, the contributing uh, crimes was burglaries at educational premises where we had 2,692 burglaries at educational premises whereby 649 suspects were arrested. Then in terms of the provincial breakdown, uh, the highest province that had the, the number of the province that had the highest number was Zulu Natal with 651 burglaries at the educational premises. Hunting had 607. Eastern Cape had 326. Western Cape had 249. And then the rest of the provinces are indicated there. Then in terms of burglaries at the liquor outlets, we had 1,246, which contributed to the burglaries and non-residential premises increase. And then of those, uh, 537 suspects were charged. The highest province in the burglaries at liquor outlets was uh, Western Cape with 270, Hauteng followed with 228, Wazulu Natal with 224, uh, West Northwest with 190, Eastern Cape with 107, and the rest of the provinces recorded uh, increases less than 100. Then the last crime that we looked at was uh, the crime of stock theft, which uh, interestingly had a different trajectory uh, compared to the other crime types. Whereby at level five, the two graphs were almost touching. Then at level four, they became apart, and then the decrease there was 281, and then at level three, they almost came together again. And the reason why this can happen, I was informed that there were active operations in the Northwest which uh, included changing some of the personnel within the stock theft unit. And also in Bubalanka, there were joint operations with uh, farmers, especially during level four lockdown, whereby they observed that at level five, there was a problem that they put in place uh, operations to try and bring down these uh, increases. And that was what was achieved, and then this uh, brought down the crime as can be seen there, whereby Pubalanga had a decrease of 222 cases of uh, stock theft. Uh, Northwest has a reduction of 122. Free State has a reduction of 195. Houghton had a reduction of 20. And the only provinces that had increased was the Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal, Northern Cape, and the Western Cape. And that is uh, the last of the slide of the briefing of the Kotawal crime statistics. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, quite a comprehensive presentation. Could you remove the slides? Thank you. Um, I'll take the, the questions. Please do not forget uh, about the questions of Honorable Whitfield. Uh, during the first round of presentations, because I think those questions um, are applicable for this presentation as well. 
I have noted Honorable Grunewald. We'll first take um, Honorable Peacock, as I had said earlier. Honorable Peacock and then Honorable Grunewald, Honorable Tablanche. I'm looking for more hands. All right, you may start. Honorable Peacock. Yes, Chairperson, me, Majorzy. Majorzy. So uh, we'll start with Peacock. Thank you, Chair, and greetings to all. Mine would be mostly on the gender-based violence question, but it also relates to crime states. What I want to find out is how do they deal with the crime against persons with disability, especially those that are visual and verbal, that have visual and verbal impairments. Because when you look at the stats, they do not specifically state how do they deal with that specific um, sec section of, of, of women or children. And what I want to know also is how are they registered into the gender-based violence register? Is, is, is there a, on, the, on, the, on the register, does it specify also for them to be, to be included on the register so that they can state their, their impairments? And with regard to the states, we expect it to segregate that this out of these states, we are having this amount of women or children that are having a particular impairment. And are police officers well-trained also to deal with such issues of women or children that are having specific impairments? I think that's all from my side. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable. Honorable Peacock, have you raised all your questions on GBV because it relates to this presentation as well? Honorable Peacock, we've lost her. I'll come back to her. Honorable Groenewald. Thank you, Chair. Chair, firstly, I want to say that we received the quarterly crime statistics and I welcome that. I must uh, say that for many, many years I've asked for quarterly uh, crime statistics. And uh, 2020, it seems, is the year we're full of surprises. So thank you. And uh, the fact that we can receive it now quarterly makes a huge difference because then we can address the problems uh, that we can identify from these crime statistics. Now, firstly, Chairperson, the question is always how reliable these uh, crime statistics are. And firstly, I want to say it is, as far as I'm concerned, uh, impossible to make a real comparison uh, if you take the first quarter of the previous financial year because of the lockdown. So I won't go into the comparison uh, issue as far as crime statistics are concerned because we have this unusual situation with this first quarter. But what is important, uh, Honorable Chair, is that the capturing of the crimes on our case administration system, as well as the integrated case docket management system, 
uh, is the first crucial step to ensure that we have reliable crime statistics. Now, Chairperson, we have many, in many, many meetings, we have asked questions about the integrated case docket management system. And I want to ask the first question is, what is the number of our police stations that have implemented the integrated case docket management system? And what are the current challenges with the further rollout of the implementation of the ICDMS? And then I also want to know when will the case administration system be phased out? My second question, Chairperson, is if we talk about the population ratio, I want to know which population data has been used as far as these quarterly, first quarter crime statistics are concerned. My third question, Chairperson, is on the farm attacks and farm murders. And thank you again. I've requested when we received the national crime statistics of the previous year, that we also received the attacks on farms, not only the, uh, the murder rate, but what I want to have some clarity, Chairperson, it's not clear on if you look at the attacks, because it says uh, three attempted robbery at the residential premises, 14 assault of gross bodily harm, three rapes, 12 attempted murder, 45 robbery at the residential premises. Now, I want to know, can I add up all these incidents to say that there's a total of, it seems around about 90 attacks as far as farm murders are concerned. So I just want to have some clarity on that. And then lastly, Chairperson, I want to know, when we talk about crime statistics, we know that that is an indication on the performance of a specific province, and uh, we have all the provincial commissioners here, and on a specific police station. And I know, Chairperson, and everybody knows, that when crime statistics are gathered, that not all the crime cases are recorded, because if you record too many cases, specifically if I can go to station level, then it indicates that there's a problem, and in a certain sense, it indicates poor performance, which should be wrong. And I want to know how, and I can address this to the commissioner, how is he going to address this issue to ensure that at police level station, police uh, station level, that we get all the statistics uh, and not some reported crimes. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Dr. Grunewald. And uh, thank you for acknowledging that a number of the requests which we have made um, in this portfolio committee have actually been responded to. And um, I think we should, we should acknowledge that. We shouldn't always be 
uh, on the defensive, and we are certainly not defending SAPs. Uh, but the the requests we have made as a committee have, uh, haven't all been responded to, but they certainly uh, SAPs they are beginning to respond to the requests of the committee. Now, honourable members. Let us not just say that there are weaknesses. Let us start acknowledging that, one, we requested quarterly statistics and we are receiving that now. Two, we requested that provincial commissioners be present in the committee when we ask these questions. I believe Honorable Peacock was quite vociferous in um, demanding on more than one occasion that the provincial commissioners be in the meeting when we do um, ask certain questions. So thank you for uh, responding to those requests and uh, DM uh, as well as the national commissioner. Could you convey this to the minister as well? I've also now noted uh, um, Honorable Mapatswe. Before I take uh, Mapatswe, Majosi was third and then Mapatswe. But before I do take you, I would like to, to concur with um, Dr. Grunewald on the integrated case docket management system. When will the case administration system be phased out? And uh, um, what are the current challenges, as uh, Dr. Grunewald had asked, with the further rollout and implementation of the ICDMS? Um, could we then take Honorable Majosi now? Uh, thank you, Chair. No, mine is very uh, um, short. There are no questions as, as such because we've received the presentation of of the gender-based violence before. And it's just to appreciate that um, uh, the, the presentation we're receiving now of the states and also to say, can we keep up this good work? Uh, it, it must not be... In, in the case of um, a, a lockdown only, or because of we have this pandemic of COVID, now there's visibility. Can we see every day if uh, uh, cars, vehicles, SAPS vehicles are available now? Can they be available every day, whether it is lockdown or not? And the visibility, can it be as much as it is now? That so that people will feel safe in the streets, so that people will be able to communicate also with, with police. I mean, we've seen very good work that has transpired uh, uh, during the lockdown when, when police were visiting communities and so forth. And the crime statistics say, says it all that that is why there is so much decrease in, in so many uh, uh, instances and, and crime stats. But we, we just need to keep the current visibility alive uh, for as long as uh, uh, we, we, the SAPS is still there. And we, we must not uh, then, um, when the lockdown is over, and then we start uh, um, uh, uh, lacking on, on, on the visibility that has been there. But my great concern is within the pubs, uh, where crimes and murders maybe, and also assaults, of uh, uh, were happening at most. I'm not sure what, what, what is it that we can come up with, but I think that maybe more visibility 
must be must be shown, especially in pubs and, and in hotspot areas where we know that these cases maybe uh, they they come from, and then we're able that then the, the, there's a police visibility around there so that people will be able to behave and 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 and, and live according to the law. That is all, Chairperson. Thank you so much. Honourable Majosi, Honourable Mapatsi. What about me, Chairperson? You are next. I haven't forgotten about you. First Mapatsi and then Blanche. Thank you, Honourable Chair. Just also to join uh, yourself and Honourable Majosi that the, the department, this is what we expected that when we play our oversight role, it is to make sure that they do their work uh, uh, in a way that we we play our oversight role and they do uh, respond when we ask uh, questions. I think uh, today's portfolio committee, I must say, uh, DM, uh, uh, and also the national commissioner. Uh, from our side, I think you you have indeed also uh, gave us more information on the presentations. We really appreciated that. But that, I just want to ask uh, two questions. That they, in fact, under lockdown, we have reported that there's there's been an a, a, a decrease. And I just want to ask that the lessons, what lessons uh, have you learned about the impact of, of lockdown restrictions uh, with factors uh, related to crime? Also to say, uh, how are you going to adapt your strategies to combat to combat crime uh, based on the lessons you 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 you, you learned uh, and also the crimes patterns are expected to normalize with the easing of lo lo lockdown restrictions will the sites be able to contain the gains made uh, during the lockdown lastly chairperson is that we, we 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 said we don't want to politicize the the portfolio committee and under your stewardship we have managed uh, to achieve uh, that or oh, are working towards uh, that but we have been under your stewardship allowed to raise whatever issues and you always sometimes give more time for members to raise uh, their issues. If time does not allow, you always say we can convene uh, in the next, uh, uh, you can convene the next meeting. But what we just see in the media about Honorable Whitfield and other anonymous members complaining about how the chairperson runs uh, the meeting that they are not uh, happy. Uh, 
we have a platform here where you give everybody a chance to speak. But if people, honorable members, will go out to the media uh, and complain about you when they don't complain in the committee, they are beginning to politicize this thing, or they do have personal uh, issues about the chairperson. This is a chairperson of the portfolio committee, and we support uh, her chairmanship. And in the manner that he, she has been running our meetings, she has been running them professionally, and even more biased towards uh, honorable members. But if members are not happy, please raise these issues uh, in the committee. Don't go to the media, because some of us were happy in the manner that she runs the meeting. But if you go to the to, to the media and complain about the chairperson without facts, we want to know those facts. Why are you saying the chairperson is not running uh, the meetings uh, correctly? And these anonymous people, please don't come and destroy this family of this portfolio committee. We might disagree, but so far we have been very critical and playing our oversight without fear or favor. And the, the, the executive has also been coming on, on board, responding to our, our, our concerns. That is why we're saying today, majority of us, we are happy with the presentations. So please, if you have issues about the chairperson, raise them in the meeting here so that we can be able to, to engage. Thank you, chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable De Blanche and then Whitfield. Honorable De Blanche, are you there? Thank yes. you. Chairperson Army, yes, thank you very much. I also want to thank the police for this presentation again. Um, Chairperson, my first question is, I just want to know what progress are the police making to align uh, our crime stats with international standards? That's my first question, Chairperson. Secondly, Chairperson, I am very happy that we are getting quarterly the uh, crime stats now. My question is to what extent uh, does the department now utilize the information, the crime stats that we're getting to align our policies and, you know, obviously include that in our approach? And if so, what progress are we making? Has it got a, a positive impact or, or what? what is the position? Chairperson, then, um, it is a well-known fact that there is quite a percentage of unreported crime. And I just want to get some indication as to maybe the percentage and what impact it's having on, you know, uh, the crime stats as well. Um, Chairperson, and then I think the most important issue is, is maybe the criminal justice system value chain. I just want to know, you know, I think the ultimate test is, you know, about the uh, efficiency of the SAPs is, and the system then, is the criminal justice value chain. How is this going to uh, 
assist that? And are we focusing on that? Ultimately, Chairperson, we want to minimize crime and see that perpetrators get behind bars. That is all my questions. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thank you, Honorable Whitfield. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chairperson, just uh, in response to the allegations leveled against me, uh, I would welcome any links to any articles where I've publicly chastised the committee. But I do want to say that in previous committee meetings, I have expressed a concern, I can draw the minutes for you, about the frequency and the duration of the meetings. I've raised concerns about the minister going to the media before coming to the committee, which the committee has also expressed concerns about. And the one thing I will never do is allow Honorable Mapatswe or anybody else to tell me what I can and cannot say. Uh, and I'm happy to uh, go and find those minutes of those meetings, Chair. Uh, you've always taken my concerns on board. I have raised them in committee meetings. We've raised them personally. Uh, and the one thing I will never do is be an anonymous source. We've dealt with that issue before. I, I've come clean, I've reported to you, I've told the committee where I've gone to the media. I'm not, I'm not scared of raising my concerns in the committee, and I'm certainly not going to stop raising them publicly if I feel that they're not being addressed. But I do want to say, Chair, that I think that we can uh, continue to fight for more committee meetings, and I would ask that you continue to do that. Because the fact that SAPS hasn't come and presented their quarter four report is not just an indictment on SAPS, but I think is also a reflection on the committee. And we must make sure that we continue to strive to work hard to make sure that SAPS is accountable. We are moving towards the quarter two in the new financial year, and we haven't even dealt with quarter four of the previous financial year. And so I will raise these issues, Chair. I'll continue to raise them, uh, but uh, I'm afraid that I'm not going to uh, be censored or silenced by Honorable Mapatswe. Thank you. Honorable uh, Chair. Uh, uh, could we could, could we please um, uh, uh, deal with this later and focus on the crime stats? Um, Honorable Mapatswe, I have listened to both of you. Um, I think it is quite fair that you do realize we are working quite hard to get additional time, to get additional meetings, and um, we have definitely raised the matter of the quarter four performance report. Um, as SAPS has said, they will be ready with it. And as soon as they are ready, we'll, we'll receive that. So I, I think your concerns have been um, attended to. It is just that some members are completely sometimes impatient. And um, I do hope you realize that during this time of lockdown, it is not that easy to just have um, uh, the, the business as usual, and uh, we are constrained by the opportunities we do have to have these virtual meetings. I'm going to, that was the last question. I'm going to take um, the Deputy Minister and then the National Commissioner. Deputy Minister. Yeah, no, uh, thanks, thanks very much, Chair. Uh, I hope I'm audible. Um, a bit of an echo DM, but we can hear you. Okay. Oh, no, thanks very much, Chair uh, 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 and the members of, of, of the committee. Appreciating as well uh, the fact that we, we are linked with uh, our province today as we 
we appear before uh, you uh, as, uh, as, as the We take note of uh, the, the concerns that uh, members have raised, and of course, we, we appreciate the positive uh, note all members uh, have given in terms of appreciating the, the, the report that uh, we have presented to you uh, in the form of statistics through General Sukune, uh, and that there are issues that you would want us to do, which you, you have also raised with, uh, uh, with us on, uh, on the gender-based violence. We note that and uh, we will definitely uh, uh, go back with the leadership of, of SAPS to improve on the, the, the things that you, you have raised and to ensure that we will respond to the concerns of, of the committee. I must reiterate that uh, the minister, myself, and the national commissioner and the team, we take very seriously the comments that uh, members made and your recommendation uh, in, in this platform. We, we don't take them for granted and we'll, we'll follow will follow up on those things that you have requested us to do and those that you have requested us to work on will will definitely do that because we believe uh, that our success as a committee is based on uh, as, a, as a department is based on how best we collaborate with the with with the committee and uh, we, we really appreciate uh, thank you very much. Uh, please allow uh, me to ask the general stock, Rolle and the team, uh, to lead responding to some issues that have been raised. Thank you, Chair. And uh, through you, may we allow the National Committee to come in. Thank you very much. You may continue, National Commissioner Sotole. Thank you very much, uh, Chair, and thank you uh, very much, uh, Deputy Minister, for the lead. Uh, Chair, the, the few strategic responses that I will take, I would like to start with the lessons learned uh, out of this uh, outcome display of the crime states. Maybe as such, we would like to actually convey our message of appreciation to all the disciplines which have actually played a role here. So the major uh, lesson that we have learned is that uh, the outcome of these crime states has been a six-in-one package uh, which has been executed collectively. Uh, firstly, there's been a high-density integrated policing throughout the lockdown by all security forces, which include the defense, the metros, uh, even, even security companies has been cooperating with us. So that has been a high level of sustained visibility. Uh, that has been our first strong point. The second, the second part of the package has been 
the enhanced multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary collaboration. I think the Deputy Minister has just been acknowledging our collaboration uh, with the committee. But uh, we have, during the lockdown, received the highest level of cooperation through other government departments, which was coordinated through the NAT joints. And uh, that particular collaboration is still in place as, uh, as I'm speaking. Then uh, there has been a collective response to the root cause metrics as we have been identifying the root causes at not joints level, the other departments were taking the responses at the same time. They would respond to those particular root causes. Now, as a result of that, very little chance was given for modus operandi development and for criminal operations to take place as a result of this particular cooperation because uh, root, root causes were removed uh, immediately. Then we also want to acknowledge the community of South Africa. Uh, I think during uh, lockdown, there has been a display of very high norms and values uh, with very good societal behavior displayed. This made things extremely difficult for criminals to exploit the societal situations. And uh, as a result, it was difficult for them to find certain uh, targets. Then it, there has been a modus operandi suffocation during, during the lockdown. Uh, I think in view of the highly removed root causes, I think there was less uh, opportunities and a non-conducive climate for exploitation of root causes for criminals to invent new modus operandi. Then the, the biggest strength is that there has also been integration of resources. Uh, there was no single agency that would complain or, do, or not perform as a result of the fact that there has been no resources. We integrated the resources everywhere. In the, in the roadblocks, all the expected disciplines were there and we were everywhere uh, together. And that has been lesson number one. Lesson number two, I think we also had the three-cylinder basic policing firing model. I think uh, since our basic policing model has got the three dimensions, we've got strategic policing, innovative policing, as well as basic policing principles. I think all the time we've been following the hard approach and relying on the hard approach to basic policing principles. But we've been doing a little bit of innovative policing, which is through modernization and as well as modus operandi analysis. But the, the cylinder that has not been firing is the strategic policing cylinder, which require multidisciplinary collaboration. Now, during the lockdown, this is the cylinder that fired the most. And all three of these cylinders were, were, were firing almost equally. But the, the highest impact came from the strategic policing uh, cylinder. That this is what 
we would like to try and maintain uh, because as we are fighting crime, there are those who must remove the root causes and there are those particular situations which societal norms and behaviors should make it difficult for criminals to, that, that is to exploit. So then the other question that I wanted to relate to, it's the performance of police stations with regard to the crime states. And the question was, how are we going to try manage this or correct it? I think firstly, what I what I want to indicate is that the crime state's meaning to the police station is not only on the, the crime performance and the how much crime weight relate to the police station, but we have after the the design and execution of the integrated resource management strategy pointed out even to police stations that uh, the recording of crime has got a bearing on the resourcing of that particular police station. If the crime is not correctly recorded, the resourcing becomes skewed and uh, that police station can be under-resourced. The same applies to the province. So all that message is, is, is out to all of them. Then secondly, I think as crime is also getting recorded, we also do root cause analysis and look at what causes the crime way to go higher. And then we then undertake other exercises, especially at the level of the cluster to remove those root causes. And they, they got the message that such root causes cannot be removed if we hide that is the recording of crime. Then the population growth, uh, also impact directly on the crime weight and as well as the personnel plan of the police station. Now, if we don't record the crime correctly, the personnel plan may not grow. And as a result, that police station will be under-resourced. Once it's under-resourced personnel-wise, then it impacts on the, on the physical resources. But the, in terms of how we're going to, to cap this, firstly, we have, we have in integrated the monitoring and evaluation uh, of police stations and all other institutions uh, as far as the crime state is, content, is concerned into the performance management system of the South African Police Service. So it's going to be part and parcel of the, the performance management system. Secondly, we've activated community policing uh, to work together uh, with us. So it's part and parcel of the community policing strategy. They assist us uh, with that. Then in the, in, the, in, the, in the response plan for crime states, we also identify the hotspots, police, police stations and other areas so that we zoom into them. We go to an extent of sending inspectorate and visible policing to check on those particular police stations. The last one, uh, I would uh, bring it as, a, as an appeal to say, because we are aware that uh, the portfolio committee also usually undertake the outreach uh, monitoring visits to certain police station areas, is that uh, we will then give maximum support uh, and cooperation in terms of what the portfolio committee 
would want to see when they go to such police stations, but will also provide a prompt response to any report that comes from that so that we link it to the internal oversight of SAPS, the external, which include the secretariat, and then we will hold people accountable uh, with regard to the the monitoring uh, reports. Then I, I wanted to then relate to the unreported crimes, the bearing they have uh, on the statistics. I, I, I just want to say at the moment that there are there are certain studies, some of them they are undertaken by States SA, and then there's other institutions which undertake such studies. What we have started doing is to look at the findings of such studies so that we make them part and parcel of, of our response. And this includes the reconciliation process that we, we have instructed to, to take place between us and the Gender-Based Violence Committee, because there's a different tool that measures, uh, that is the reporting of gender-based uh, violence, uh, uh, that is uh, uh, crimes there. Then uh, with regard to the criminal uh, justice value chain, Firstly, SAPS has gone into an integrated plan uh, with NPA, and the, we have, as a cluster, activated the criminal justice cluster and, and created an integrated response, which includes the resourcing, uh, that is, to, to crime. So this is what exists within the criminal justice value chain, and uh, our approach is we look at which is the weak link of the criminal justice very chain and we all uh, cooperate to support that weak link because it's going to impact all of us then honorable chair the other questions i can uh, with your permission then allow the operatives uh, to respond to and uh, those that uh, we may not be able to respond to then uh, we or uh, due to time we we, we might then also uh, revert to responding in writing. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, General Satole. And uh, uh, General, could you maybe choose selectively who should still respond? Because uh, they've given us an additional 15 minutes, which means you still have 10 minutes. So could you please indicate from your team who you uh, would like to respond? Uh, please request who uh, should speak. Thank you, uh, Chair. Maybe because there's been previous questions on gender-based uh, violence, I, I I may start by requesting that Lieutenant General Sempe uh, uh, provide responses, followed by Divisional Commissioner uh, Musikidi, the General Musikidi, on, on, on gender-based violence. Then at the closure, we can then afford the the Deputy National Commissioner for Crime Detection and the and the Lieutenant General Nguenya and, and Vuma. Then we can we can close in that order, Chair, with your permission. Uh, General Sempe, I'm sure okay. you can proceed. Thank, Thank you. you Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson and members, uh, the DM and the National Commissioner, including the SAPS uh, Senior Management. Chair, I will start with the 
question that related to the campaigns. When are they going to start? We have started, as the National Commissioner indicated. The first one was led by the DM, together with the National Commissioner on the 24th of this month, that was on Monday, on the television program called Expression, as well as 404, including the number of radio stations. Then the minister will also be leading the second campaign. Other campaigns will be done in the provinces, and we will re report when we come back to this committee in terms of progress made in terms of these campaigns. Honorable Reverend Michel also related to the provincial committees. Uh, this particular provincial committees and the national high-level gender-based committee we will be establishing the same principles. It's more composed of members of the South African Police Service, as well as the Women Network and the Men's Forum. So there will be no stipends paid because they are more internal. Their work will be in the main to ensure that this particular plan that we have presented here is monitored, is implemented, uh, and quite a number of issues, including commissioning research on gender-based violence, uh, monitoring performance on gender-based violence matters and targets, ensuring that this domestic violence data and reports are generated when necessary, uh, the monitoring of investigation of um, gender-based violence cases and other, other, other things that we have indicated in the establishment document. The programs are more about educating communities. I think there was a question to say, what, what, what is this programs about? It's more, they are more educative in nature. So that is why that we, will be, we will be engaging in this particular educative programs. Then the last one, I think, from my side um, will be about the system, why the integrated case target management system, the reasons uh, why this particular system is um, not being used optimally. Currently, we are experiencing um, a slow performance in terms of this particular system. Uh, we were also informed by TMS that the, the scanning solution is also giving some challenges. So this, these particular challenges are technical in nature, but we believe that at the end of the day, we'll be able to surmount all these particular challenges. So we cannot at this point in time be able to indicate when will case be phased out. I think at the time when we have dealt with the technical nature of these particular challenges regarding the ICDMS, we'll be in a position to, to deal with the other system, the facing out of the other system. Then from the point of view of the National Crime Combating Forum, in terms of the lessons learned, we have also commissioned a research to begin to understand uh, what transpired around crime during the lockdown period. The, the study is underway now. We have approved the research proposal. I think at the right time when the team is done, we'll be able to, to um, present the findings and draw some lessons from that particular study. It will be an integrated type of a study that will be done by SAPS as well as the other research institutions. So it's a collaborative type of a study. Thank you very much, Chair. Thanks.
Thank you very much, Chairperson, uh, Lieutenant General Musikiti. Um, let me start off by greetings and uh, greetings to honorable members, the GM, uh, the national commissioners, uh, all protocol observed. Uh, Chairperson, I have um, uh, the issues that I will respond to at this point in time will start first with the matter that was raised by Honorable Mishwe on the uh, the profiling of perpetrators and the fact that uh, how is this uh, uh, undertaken uh, to avoid um, arresting wrong people or labeling people incorrectly. The profiling of the suspect is done on the information that is available on the on our systems. Uh, if a person gets arrested, uh, we, we run the profiling, uh, including looking at what he has committed previously and what uh, are the issues uh, at the current status, the analysis of the mother's operandi, of how uh, the, the, the case has been committed. So when all these processes have been correctly followed, there is no way that a person will be uh, attacked with um, or ranked with with the the, the rank that does not uh, define him or or her. The second issue is relating to what happens when a person uh, violates the bail. Uh, I must indicate and put on record that there are very strict processes that are followed for a person who perpetrates a. a crimes against women and children in general to be released on bail. It will be done under a very strict uh, uh, processes that uh, will be undertaken. And if that happens, that a person receives or is released on bail, there will be a very strict bail condition. And it is done in a very uh, a limited uh, conditions or situation where a person that has perpetrated this type of crime, especially where a victim is a, a, a is a minor, that he will be released on bail. However, if it happens that that particular individual has received a bail, there is a, a adherence that has, be, has to be observed on the bail condition. If that particular in, individual uh, 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 um, do not adhere to the given bail condition. It is revoked as soon as possible, and the report must be uh, uh, forwarded to the investigating officer as soon as possible. It does not even have to wait for the next uh, court appearance so that uh, the person can can be put back inside if, if uh, those uh, bail conditions have been violated and and it will then be dealt with according to the strict bail conditions that were set uh, in terms of him having to be released. I think we, we even have received a, a very clear direction from uh, uh, the president that including the issue of the parole, these particular individuals do not get a, a pardon when uh, the parole condition, uh, the parole a regime come into place. They, so the the people that perpetrated on the crimes against women and children do not uh, get released. 
uh, that easy. There was a question, uh, Honorable Chair, by Honorable Hrunavald uh, uh, relating to what happens when people get uh, uh, chased away from the police stations. I think we, we, as the organization, we have put a very strict uh, monitoring and, and compliance to, to the rule. And if the person happened to do this, it must be reported immediately and the investigation will be kick-started. The internal investigation, it gets is, it, it kick-started as soon as, as the report happens. And I think we do have uh, uh, cases that we can relate to where this uh, happened and, and members get expeditious processes. And as the minister or the, uh, and, and the national commissioner indicated, earlier that provincial commissioners are, are amongst us. They, they, they know what, what needs to, to happen when, when these issues happen at the police station. And we, we have cases that we can refer to uh, that were successfully handled. The recent being in the Western Cape where that uh, a member was dealt with in terms of expeditious uh, processes. Uh, on the issues of that were raised by Honorable Mapatwe on the partnerships. I think General uh, uh, did indicated, the National Commissioner did indicated that we are having integrated approach, especially on the issues of gender-based violence. We work hand in glove with NPA. There, there will be pockets of, 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 of challenges there and there at the uh, operational levels, but uh, when this gets uh, reported, we, we do have forums that are sitting uh, weekly with some on the implementation of the national strategic plan, which I am sitting with other departments representing the organization, subs organization. There are also forums that has been there, the SORMA forums where other departments are chairpersons where we're looking at the challenges, the, the provincial efficiency, in, uh, uh, efficiency monitoring, systems that are chaired by the chief justice, but by the justice uh, in the provinces, uh, they are also monitoring how, where, where we have this type of challenges where the working relations between the two or any other department that has a role to play on gender-based uh, violence come into play. There was an issue again that was raised by Honorable Peacock regarding how the organization deal with the persons with disability. I, I think I just want to come on this one, Chairperson, not necessarily to respond to what goes into the, the reporting. I was uh, uh, just coming to sensitize or advise that when, where, where we have the FCS units, we also have forensic social workers that are also assisting to deal with the victims that are having challenges. So where we pick up a, a person that is having a disability and, and whatever type of uh, this impairment, we, we then have a, a, a deploy the forensic social workers to deal with from taking of the statements and recording of, of any uh, challenges that might come on that particular victim. And 
assistance going to court, it will go with the forensic social worker when needed, or we will utilize the social workers that are dedicated to the sexual offenses courts or domestic violence courts. When they get to court, then they will be in the presence of, of the social worker so that they can be assisted to, to take matters uh, uh, at that stage. I think from my side, uh, uh, Chairperson, National Commissioner, this will be the issues that I have um, recorded. If there are any other outstanding issues, as the National Commissioner has uh, requested, they will be responded to as soon as that uh, uh, as possible. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. National Commissioner, we've already gone over. We requested an additional 15 minutes. So could your people be brief so that we then have to conclude the meeting? Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, maybe, Honorable Chair, just in two minutes, uh, General Skukuni can respond to the, stat the statistical questions. Agreed. General Kokoni. I'm a national commissioner. Am I audible? Yes, you can proceed. So the question that was asked was the population estimate that we used. We used the 2017 media population estimate that we obtained from Status A. We computed the rate, submitted them back to Status A, and then they verified that uh, this is the correct series to use to compute the rates. They just project them, but the model that they designed was from the 2017. So that is uh, the population estimate that uh, we have used. And with regard to the charges, Yes, there were 95 charges of uh, crimes at uh, small holdings and farms that included those murders. And uh, in the 45 uh, robberies at residential premises, two people were killed. And I guess there was also an instance whereby uh, a theft of motor vehicle also happened. Then uh, there was the issue of uh, the comparison with international standards. We can safely say that uh, we've been uh, continuously implementing and aligning the sub-crime statistics to the international crime classification for statistical purposes. And we've been doing that over the years. And every year when we publish, yes, we do go to uh, the data quality assessment team for clearance and uh, we get subjected to a document called the South African Statistical Quality Assessment Framework, which has a number of indicators that uh, need to be complied with for the statistics to be certified and uh, regarded as official statistics. And we meet most of those uh, indicators. However, there is a concern that maybe I need to raise to the portfolio committee at this point in time, which says, with regard to the indicator called accessibility, which is 4.6 in the, sound, the very same document that I am referring to. That indicator, I, I'm, I'm going to quote it. It says that the statistics should be made available at all, to all users at the same time. And for official statistics purpose, the indicator says that statistics are always made available to all users at the same time. However, 
the, the, the what I'm concerned about is that Status A raised the issue that it seems as if we are not following this indicator to the T because we first go to the portfolio committee and then we go to the public. And that violates the accessibility dimension. And hence, they have requested that we have a meeting on Thursday to discuss the issue in terms of how can we best comply with this indicator 4.6 of the accessibility dimension. And we have also complied with the other recommendation that they made, which is indicator 4.5, which says that statistics are released on a pre-announced schedule. We do have the pre-announced schedule whereby each and every date on which the quarter will be released is made available. It has been signed off by the Minister and the National Commissioner, and we intend to comply with it. Hence, that's why we released on the 14th of October, in, in the first 14th of August, in line with that uh, pre-released uh, calendar. And uh, I guess that's, uh, those are the issues that I, I could cover with regard to the statistics. Thank you, National Commission. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, the, the last one is, uh, is three minutes, one minute each to the Deputy National Commissioners. Uh, I can, with your permission, proceed to Fazi. Uh, General Setole, we are going to be cut off soon. So wow. I'm pushing my luck, let them continue. Um, but we absolutely have to finish by off post 12. So I'm pushing my luck, let them speak. Thank you, Honorable Chair. General, strictly one minute. The floor is open, generals. It's Thank you, National Commissioner. Uh, good afternoon, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members. A special greeting to the Honorable Women mem Members. Happy Women's Month. Uh, Honorable Chair, there was a question that uh, uh, General Msikidi touched on as well, responded to in terms of uh, persons uh, with uh, how do we ensure uh, persons with uh, disability are serviced honorable chair i can indicate that uh, uh, we have already ensured the training of 1576 members to who are able to interpret and communicate through sign language but also in terms of focus area two of uh, the strategy towards the fight against gender-based violence, we have indicated that we are going to conduct a gap analysis in terms of the trained members uh, uh, also on issues of human rights, which amongst others will include areas of uh, dealing with persons with disability. There was also a question that was asked earlier or that talks to uh, the number of uh, um, social workers uh, who will be uh, deployed to uh, to fight towards uh, the FCS. Uh, I must indicate that uh, in this financial year, we had a total of 475 members who were deployed to the FCS unit, uh, 288 as indicated were deployed recently in August after completion of the experiential learning and 24 of them will be laterally transferred. There is also 176 forensic analysts 
who were also deployed to the forensic uh, um, uh, for, for, to the FCS units, and also eleven uh, uh, forensic uh, analysts uh, were deployed to forensic uh, um, to the FCS. We also received uh, for this financially. We received a request of one hundred and twenty-one. Uh, um, uh, forensic analysts, which we are going to ensure that uh, uh, they are allocated in this financial year. And also we will be training 1,215 in terms of uh, uh, how to deal with gender-based uh, violence-related uh, cases. I must also indicate that uh, in terms of uh, members who will be undergoing training effective the, the, the 1st of October, the 3,000 all of them uh, who will be undergoing basic training. In the basic training, we have uh, the curricula include uh, uh, pro programs that talks to the fight against gender-based violence, your Domestic Violence Act, Child Justice Act, Human Rights Policy, Victim em Empowerment, Vulnerable Children, uh, uh, etc. And also, Chairperson, uh, to add uh, toward enhancing the fight against gender-based violence, uh, as women within the South African Police Service, uh, in our five-year women agenda, which was launched in 2018, we have Pillar 5 that talks specifically to the fight against gender-based violence. This was in response after the, uh, we had uh, an Indaba in 2016, where we came up with the uh, six-point plan uh, which are attached at every client service center, we realized that uh, still we were uh, encountering situations where um, uh, um, uh, victims uh, will be encountering challenges at the client service centers. So as women, we came up with the pillar uh, where we are saying, amongst others, we are going to ensure that um, we enhance, uh, we ensure that members that are at the client service center are enhanced in terms of uh, their training, by, but also they are going to be made to account for that which uh, uh, they will not have done in line with the book in the client service center. There was also an issue there that was raised in terms of uh, gender-based violence since it occurs behind closed bars. There is an, an, an also a, a pillar that talks to the empowerment of communities through community outreach program. That my, is what within the South African Police Service. My apologies. Can we finish now, please? Thank you very no, much, I'm... Honorable Chair. Uh, uh, I will pause. I will pause. Uh, there are a number of other pillars uh, we will share uh, the other day. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. The last person. Chair. Uh, you may continue. Chairperson. Yes. I thought we, 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 have, we, should, we, we have gone beyond the time given. Y yes, we have. Wherein we get, we get cut without closing the meeting properly. Yes. Let's agree that uh, the, the leadership of SAPS have responded appropriately. And that, uh, well, if there are issues that the committee will want further engagement, we are open to that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, DM. It's your own people who are really today, they, they are uh, very excited to speak. So, <laughs> General Sitole, you know, even the general really wants to speak. 
I, I, I try and push my luck to get the general and his people to speak. Yeah. On that note, a Deputy Minister, General Satole and your team, honorable members, thank you very much for this opportunity. Honorable Dr. Grunewald, you have the, the wisdom of age, but you also have given us the opportunity of your institutional memory. And I think that experience which you have, the institutional memory that you bring to this committee is exceptional. I, I, I take note of the fact that you have been requesting the, um, the statistics, the quarterly statistics for, for about uh, more than 10 years. Uh, I didn't want to say 20 years. So Dr. Grunewald, I think that um, you can say that before you left, that request was honored. I'm very happy to tell you, you should be pleased that your request has been honored. We've worked very hard on this and the National Minister, Deputy Minister, uh, General Sutole, thank you for this. And the second thank you. Uh, can I say thank you, Chair, but but you can you can make it 20 years. It's nothing wrong with the 20 years. I didn't, General, uh, uh, Dr. Grunewald, I, I, I don't want to get into that. But then again, you have been requesting for a very long time that we look at um, the rural crime statistics and that we have a rural crime strategy for fighting rural crime. Um, we've been able to get this as well. So I think this is another achievement. It's another target which we set. And uh, we can say that, that we've achieved this as well as a committee. Then we have a full representation of provincial commissioners. Thank you very much, DM, for this. Uh, lastly, I think we've also put pressure on SAPS to give us the quarterly performance reports on time. And I'm convinced that we'll achieve this objective uh, and that this outcome will also be met. Honorable members, I thank you for your time. The meeting is now adjourned until next time. Thank you very much, DM. Thank you very much, General Satole. Thank you very much, members. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair.